Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello and welcome to the Agenda Podcast with me, Ian Crowell, as well as Connor O'Neill. How are you, Connor? Not too bad, Ian, yourself? Are you going to keep them well? Yeah, not too bad, considering um, what's going on in the world at the moment. This is obviously, um, I'm sure everyone knows now who's been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast that uh, most um, most of us are working from home at the moment, so we're doing our best to bring you as many podcasts as we can. Obviously, there is no football, but we are um, trying our utmost to, to come up with ideas and um, bring the podcast. So we've sent the the shout out for some some questions as usual for the agenda podcast. As usual, this is the podcast where you, the listeners, send in the questions. You, the listeners, set the agenda. And Connor, we have got some questions. Well, before we get there, just uh, you are good, yeah. You, you're working from home yourself. I am, yeah. I've uh, been working from home for over a week, and uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like a lifetime, but. Uh, you know, needs must in these, you know, crazy times that we're currently living in. And, you know, obviously, while it's disappointing to some of us, where I work from home and do stuff like this, there are people in a lot of worse positions than, than the rest of us right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you are, how are you coping with all Premier League football? Nice little break from Everton. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you, when you first get the first bit of break, you think, oh, well, you know, that's, that's not too bad. But, you know, now... Almost, <laughs> I think they were all getting a little bit, a little bit bored. And I think you know, the weekend really hit home, and you know, there wasn't a single ball kicked across another country. So, yeah, it's a, a little bit bored now. I think, and I think you know, we'll all relish the return whenever that may be. No problem. Well, glad that you're good, and we've got plenty of questions, as I say, to get through. So, um, I will begin with the first one, a uh, regular submitter of questions to the Royal Blue Agenda podcast. We've got Matthew Barry who asks, if you could be isolated with one person from Everton's history, who would it be? I think, you know, the, the most recent one I, I would pick from, obviously, you know, last couple of years and, and in times gone by, you know, that's been Leighton Baines, wouldn't it? You know, I think he's just an all-around kind of cool guy, you know, very modest, very, you know, laid-back, down to earth, and, you know, if he brought us a good tie, be able to have a good sing-along and, and keep yourself entertained. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Would, would he not that not that Leighton Baines is too boring? I'm not saying that, but would he be a bit too quiet for your liking? Well, it's hard of isolation. I think you need someone to keep you entertained, don't you? So, <laughs> I think if he brings fingers a guitar, you can have a sing along and you know, <laughs> a bit of bit of bit of entertainment. I think, uh, I think right now, obviously, you know, he probably be the most cause of chill out person. I think you you can't be laid back and wouldn't be too. Not getting too stressed or you know, and climbing the four walls, and you just be nice and chilled out, relaxed. I think I'm going to go with a couple that are a bit out there. Um, I think to start off with, if you if you're alone with the with these people, um, it will be fine. But I think I, I, isolation wise, someone to keep you entertained and keep the party going. I'm going to say 
Royston Drenthe or Andy van der Meijer. <laughs> <laughs> I think those two would definitely be on my list. Today. Especially if it was if it was only going to be a week or two, I think I could cope any any longer than that. I don't think I think he'd probably start doing me heading. But we all know we all know Andy van der Meijer's a uh, uh, past and certainly Royston Royston Drenth uh, past. He's a uh, party animals, and I think that's the way I'm inclined to go. To be honest. <laughs> Well, you, you can have your party and we'll have, you know, Leighton Baines and his capacity was entertaining by a nice chill time. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Next question. The next question from Bridget Bryson asks, have you read Ancelotti's book, Quiet Leadership? It explains so much about why Kate Carlo came to us. Any bit fast to doubt? Um, Bridget, I can honestly say that I haven't read the book. Um, have you read it? I, I've not read the whole book. I've read, I've seen um, sort of chapters, uh, you know, Little um, excerpts from kind of teasers, yeah, uh, teasers from it and stuff. But I've not actually read the whole book just yet. Well, I, I definitely haven't read it, but I think it's quite interesting that we obviously the book is you know quiet leadership and that's the theme of it. And Angelotti's been deemed to be that type of person, but I don't think he has been that way since he's come to uh, to Goodison, has he? I mean, you only have to look at the incident where he uh, for the Man United game where he, he confronted the ref if that's what you want to call it he certainly wasn't being quiet then he was telling the referee um, what he thought of him no absolutely I think I think the quiet leadership is in terms of more he's not kind of boisterous you know kind of in your face like her, Marino or, or Pep Guardiola or, or even the Eden Clough for instance he's he not more seen seemingly reserved but I do think he has got that bit of a dark side also. I think, you know, when you, you see that Man United game and the way he sort of charged on the pitch, he's in the referee's face. I think he has got that streak in him, but I think he's more more a reserved character uh, on the whole than kind of in your face, you know, right up and right at them. Like you see, like, like Mourinho, like that have been over in, in the past. Yeah, absolutely. Um, couldn't agree more. And I don't think we've seen um, the full Carlo Angelotti yet. Hopefully, Going to see more of them over the next couple of months when football returns. Um, sooner, obviously, the better. But the longer he's with us, that means he's been successful with us, and you definitely get to see more of his, his personality. I mean, obviously, not an ideal situation to, to find ourselves in, obviously, with the coronavirus um, pandemic. But he's certainly been taking the time to, you know, integrate with the fans. He was doing it anyway. But obviously, we've seen a couple of things this week where he's been out and about in Crosby, and he's uh, he's made couple of phone calls to, to fans as well. Yeah, I mean, he, he certainly, he, he's seemingly been, been like that since, since day one, hasn't he? I think he's, he's kind of, you know, made sure that he's got to know people, you know, I think the fact that he, he chose to live in Liverpool and where he chose, you know, was, was a big thing because although people won't read too much into it, I think you look back at the likes of, you know, Ron Koeman, for instance, where he lived in Manchester and it's very much like, you know, it's, it's a job, you know, there was no kind of real sense of, you know, togetherness or, you know, Spirit, or you know, let let you nice everyone. Whereas Carlo, you know, completely seems the opposite. And I think you know he was a bit taken aback, wasn't he, by when he first met Man Liverpool, the uh, way the fans greeted them and, and stuff like that. So I think you know he he's down to earth, kind of modest guy. And I think the the you look at the um, you know his, his act over the last couple of days, where he has been speaking to people, and he's been out and about, and you know anyone who you see commenting on commenting things or bringing them to life, that's nothing but good things to say about them. No, that's more testament to the man himself than, than the football manager. Yeah, definitely. And um, I'll definitely have to try and order and read his book. Going to be plenty of uh, time to, to to get through that book well, over the next well, couple of weeks. Well, now is the perfect time, so <laughs> there's lots of time. I imagine it is around now. 
get into Carlo Angelotti's mind and see what we can expect over the next uh, couple of months when football does return. Um, next question. So it comes from um, Carl Oscar Lieberg, regular submitted of questions. There's there's a whole host of questions here, all related to different topics, which is good. Um, they're not all about the same thing. So this one um, goes back a little bit, but Carl asks Connor how many years uh, before we rid. How many years, sorry, are we got, are we going to be rid of all this the disastrous post martinist high salary players? I think it's, it's when the contracts end, isn't it? I think there's there's no other way to look at it. I think once they you know once their contract ends, that'll be that'll be a good lead to football club. Um I think it's a little bit harsh to say that the post I think, you know, obviously post martinist it's been, you know, an absolute kind of free fall, hasn't it? I think you look at the you know the place Steve Walsh and Mark Human brought in. The players Michael Silver's brought in. Um, it'll just be a case, I think, when their contracts come to an end, like, that's it, though, you know, they'll, they'll depart. I think, unless the club's willing to take a massive hit in terms of what they're getting a the fee for them, and, and then you've got to hope that the player then eventually goes and kind of maybe drops, his, drops their own wages, I think they'll be around for the end of the contract. I think that the best they can hope for is potentially getting them out on loan, getting a, uh, getting a, a percentage of the wages off the books, and, and kind of just run down that, that contract time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think you're spot on. I think we've said it time and time again that, you know, players obviously want to play football and that's what they're there for. But if 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 you're on mega books and you've got a contract for another two or three years, you're, you're probably not going to turn, turn away from that and you're probably just going to see it out, especially when you, you know, even if you're in your late 20s, you probably see yourself as having at least a good two or three more years at the top of the game and you could probably get a decent contract elsewhere. So you're going to see that out, aren't you? Unless it's matched by another team, but that's not going to be the case. Those players are not going to get contracts, um, you know, to the amount that they got at Everton. And um, I just think it's it's the way of the world. Unfortunately, people, players uh, are looking after themselves, looking after the family. Um, there's, a, there's an argument, I think, and a case to say, why don't you just go and play football? But sometimes in, in the modern day world, it's, it's not about that anymore, is it? No, absolutely. Yeah. You know, things like that, you know, a lot's always made, isn't it? But, you know, contracts and players' wages and stuff. But, you know, things they, 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 you know, the, they, the club didn't have to give them that money. They, you know, the club could have said, no, they're not giving you that. No, they've been given that money. So I suppose, you know, it's as much, you know, someone, the club's fault as it is, you know, the individuals, isn't it? You know, it's, 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 a, it's a collective issue. It's not just the players. And, you know, players, the players are always the first to get hung off to dry. And sometimes, rightly so. But, you know, I think in a lot of cases it, it's a two-way thing, isn't it? It's not just the not just the players' fault. The club, the club have given that money. The club have given that contract. So they got to one of it. Steve Walsh given that contract. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> not Steve Walsh. He wasn't there when Martinez was there. It was uh, that was Cumin era, wasn't it? But uh, next question from Paul Carew Rideout asks, "What's the best Everton home kit and the best Everton away kit of the Premier League era?" Do you know what? I was meant to look. I saw that question before before uh, we went on. Uh, and started recording, and I was meant to look through the kits. Um, I can't think, you know, off the top of my head. Is there anyone that stands out for you that you that you can remember? Best home kit and Everton away kit, Premier League era. I can't remember the yeah. Dank, the Danka one with the sponsor. I can't. I did like that one. I thought you were going to say the, the salmon pink, salmon pink and navy one there from uh, <laughs> the, the late nineties. Um, <laughs> there was a couple of, of nice ones under Umbro, wasn't he? When Umbro first. Got back involved. He was, I think, he was a, 
agreed on black kit. I think it'd be nice to be the third kit. Yeah. That I thought was that I thought was quite nice and I actually quite like this year's take it, the old navy kit. I think that's 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 quite nice. I think it's you know quite plain and plain and simple really. And I think the the most on the kit thing, I think the, the big thing with the kits and the most disappointing side of the kits was uh when we went with Nike. You get one of high high expectations with me something like that, you know, we want to look to business, but I, I don't think it really is up to the, the hype or the expectation. I think everyone's like a little bit disappointed with what what they had to offer. Yeah, I really hated the one to one kit, the the one the sponsor on that for some reason. I don't know whether it just brings back bad memories of it. You know, the Walter Smith days. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, and it was really baggy as well. Do you remember it being really like? Yeah, yeah. Like baggy and it just used to fall off. I mean Ferguson at the time, I think Campbell as well, Kevin Campbell, they were big, you know, big muscly players, but it used to just fall off them. I just used to think how are you running around in that like I think that's why over the years they've become a bit more refined the kits and a bit more um sculptured to the players, you know, physique and stuff like that. I think I, I much prefer um a kit that is a bit more tighter. <laughs> <laughs> that's only if you're a player. I would think if you're a, the average fan, stroke, you know, maybe dad. I don't think you're open for a, a tight kit either in, in this day and age. I think, uh, I think, I think you'd be hoping for a little, sort of a little bit more baggy than than, than one of an ultra tight kit. I think you should like the Roma and, and teams like that. And that's all got in uh, Italy. Yeah, to be fair, it's a good shout out the Roma one. I really, really like the Roma one. Not the colour, but just the terms of uh, the style of it. Okay, next question from Jamie Robinson. Um, with Baines being a, a monster defensively and Dean being deadly going forward, do you think it's worth trying to play them both? Baines as a left back and uh, Dean as a left wing back. Do you think it would work? This, this has been this is a fair bit, hasn't it? I think, you know, there's, it's, and this has also been said about Sadiba and Coleman on the right hand side. I think they're pretty similar as well, but I think ultimately, you're sure because you know that by doing that you you're basically going to get rid of your, your two wingers, aren't you? So you're then playing with you know you've got two, you know, like Bernard, your Walker, you know, where, where would they fit in in that in that team? They're not going to get a look in, you know. It's it, it's hard to see him going down that road, and I think if he would have wanted to go down that, that road, he would have already gone down that road. If, if you know what I mean, I think yeah, it might be worth a try, but I can't see Carlos trying to do that. I can't see him. Maybe taking two wingers um, in order to play two full-backs but another two full-backs I think there's more chance of them potentially maybe playing three at the back with you know Dean Dean at maybe that left wing back and being at left side centre half or you know Coleman at right side centre half with, with the debate right wing back um, but I can't really see you know the, the two full-backs playing as you know two wingers and then do the two full-backs playing as full-backs I think I just don't see how that maybe the balance of that might be a little bit, a little bit wrong. But I think you know if Carlton Chelsea was going to play something like that, he would have already done so. Yeah, I think it's an option, obviously, to to uh, try out if we were we were short in those areas, especially you know suspensions and injuries ended up uh, hampering us a little bit. But you know, I think Baines is he's a left back, isn't he? And, and Dean is a left back. I think that's that's where they both mm-hmm. play. And unfortunately, well, not so unfortunately, but they're both really good at the positions. I suppose, unfortunately for Baines, that Luca Dean has probably just considered that slightly little bit better. Um, but I, I wouldn't rule it out as an option, like I said, if if injuries and suspensions were to uh, play a role moving forward. I think it, I think it it could fill a gap 
Definitely. Rick Eckloff asks next, assuming after the rest of the season is played, what would your thoughts on where, what are your thoughts on where Everton will finish in the table? Tough one, isn't it? Because, you know, now you've got to take into account like a lot of factors. Um, the main one being player fitness and how fit a player is going to be. I think they're still, they're still going through training regimes in, in the house, you know, through this self-isolation, but they're not going to be match fit. It's almost, you know, starting the season off again and building your match fitness up, which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's not ideal whatsoever. I'm just trying to remember, which I think was the Chelsea game, our last official game. Uh, yeah, the four overseas. Yeah, so obviously that wasn't a, you know a great way to to sign off and and end things, but you know so much has happened off the field since since then, and you know I can't. It's almost a distant memory that that, that game now. Obviously, most people mm-hmm. want to forget it anyway because we got absolutely hammered. Um, but we've got no idea who our next actual fixture is going to be because despite the Premier League saying. They're going to return on the thirtieth of April. I think that's just the, the earliest, um, the earliest date that they're saying, and it's all going to be behind closed doors. So I'm not entirely sure what's our fixture list for for that for that time. Can you, can you remember? It is. Um, is it? Well, it, it would have been Leicester. No, no, not, not Leicester. Sorry, Leicester was. So, sorry, it's Aston Villa. Aston Villa will be our next official Premier League game. If football returns on April 30th, we would just play them on the second of men of Goodison. So you'd assume that that would, you know, stay like that and all the other games would be would be rearranged. And I think Villa lost their last game as well, didn't he? Um, yes, they did, yeah. So there's just there's so many factors to, to take into account. Um, I think we'll probably just finish mid-table again, and, you know, probably 10th, maybe seventh if we if we can pick up a good run of results but I can't can't see us making a, a run for the Champions League now unless something incredible happens. I just don't think I just don't think you can you can do Janet I don't think you know we're not still not hundred percent sure what's gonna I don't think you can make any type of prediction or assumption of, of what I what's gonna happen in the season what's you know you just don't know do you you know you don't know what way teams are gonna come back etc and I think you know until until we start seeing, until we see a ball in that first game and we can gauge your understanding, that's when I think you'll be able to make a, a call and a judgment on where you think you see, on where we think the season is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just the, the next question is not really a question, but Stephen Grady's basically just said, "This isn't a question, but thanks for the efforts, guys, and the humour. In a strange world where everyone is on the edge, it brings a sense of normality to it." So, um, yeah, no problem, Stephen. Well, um, like I said at the beginning, we're we're going to try our best to bring um, as many podcasts uh, to the Royal Blue Channel as possible. And before we move on to the next question, I think um, it's definitely worth if there's any ideas that anyone's got um, that you you want us to talk about, then then let us know. Get in touch, and we'll uh, we'll steal your ideas off you. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Brownwell asks, "How would you like the FA to win the season? Finishing by playing behind closed doors." Proceed based on current position, i.e. award to Liverpool, or just call it nine void. I think it's worth noting just just in Rob's question there that it's not up to the FA how the season will finish. That's up to the Premier League, and I think pretty much in the the Premier League clubs will have a massive say. So it's not the Football Association who ultimately make the call. It's it's the FA 
But I think the question is still a good one because I think the one thing about this recent break and you know is that there's plenty of opinion, there's plenty of split opinion on this matter right now, this minute. No, I I, I agree, and um, I think from what I've read over the past couple of days, the Premier League have had a meeting and the clubs have have come together and had a meeting and they're all in unanimous um, opinion that the season must finish, which I do agree. I, I absolutely agree. However, um, I think there's definitely got to be some sort of a, a cut-off point. I don't think if this is going to carry on for months and months, then you can go into the back end of this year and, and beyond. It, you know, th- There has to be a cut-off point because you don't know how long this is this is going to take and it's, it could start getting very, very messy, especially with international tournaments. You know, Euro uh, 2020 is now being postponed to 2021. The Olympics, um, they play a football tournament, so that, that's being postponed as well. Um, you know, if we postpone... Obviously, this season is going to be postponed, um, and if it carries on um, up until the back end of the next season, it's like, well, when does the new season start? Because then, if that you know clashes with the Euro twenty twenty and and the Olympics, you're going to have serious serious issues. I think first of all, finish the season, but definitely there's got to be a cut off point, and if you can't finish the season. It's got to be made null and void, in my opinion. I don't think you're going to be awarding anyone anything, regardless of what position they're in and how many points clear um, they are. Um, that's just that's just my personal opinion. I don't know what you, your thoughts on it, Connor, but it's not just Liverpool who are sweating on this. It's teams who are in the relegation zone. It's teams who are you know, looking to get promoted. It's teams who are in FA Cup competitions, Champions League uh, competitions. <laughs> they're all affected, I think. I think it's just quite lucky that Everton are only... Average mid table mediocrity still, and we don't have to worry about this these mm-hmm. issues. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I think it's, it's possible. I think my opinion is that it, the season has to be played to a finish, and I actually think it will be played to a finish. I think though, even if it means they're still playing October, they'll just you know they'll just kind of have the the knock-on effects of the league next season. I think it'll be played to a finish. It's got to be played to a finish. You know, you can't just you know presume and you know almost. Just just give someone a title because there's so many points clear, or you know, relegate someone because there's so many points adrift. I think that just sets a precedent then for, for football in the future. And I think it's got to be played to finish. It's, it's got to be played for you know the, the season got to be played out. All main games got to be played, and I think you know the first chance the Premier League will get, they will start playing games behind closed doors and they'll come up for a way where my teams you know maybe three games will be behind closed doors moving um, forward. What's your cut-off point though if um, the thirtieth of April date doesn't happen and then it's it postponed again until May June? What at what point are you saying the season has to, you know, be completed or it's well, not going to be completed? Well, but this is the thing now though, isn't it? Because the way the way UEFA have gone and what people have not kind of said is that it is entirely to the league, so they they can play until you know September October if they wish to. You know, or it's going to knock on effect with the next next season. But suppose not. What else is well right now this minute the most important thing is finishing this season, not starting next season, looking at ways to start in the season. It's to finish this season and ensure that the final table is done on a level playing field and in a way that's fair for everyone in in the competition. It's someone's gonna be annoyed, aren't they? No one's gonna you know, there's gonna be some person who's uh, not agreeing with, with what happens, but I think everyone, regardless of what team you support, is in agreement that the season must be finished. I just my concern is how long it's going to take to do that because 
I don't know when football is going to return, and I don't don't think it's mm-hmm. going to be anytime soon. Even you know, even behind closed doors, I think behind closed doors, you, you'll be looking at you'll be looking at the likes of end of May, June. That's no, no, I, I agree, but it's, it's, I think it's the case of watch this space, isn't it, for for, for the next couple of months? I think they'll, they'll give a, a much stronger indication. Yeah, absolutely, and um, it's a good question there, Rob. I think that's that's on everyone's mind at the moment. Um, so obviously good that we uh, addressed that with a, a question that's been submitted. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The next question from Jake Marley. Um, who is the most underrated or underappreciated player in the current squad? Um. <laughs> Because I think I think with Charleston, you know, Carver, you know, I, I rightly get the thought that I think they deserve right now. I think um, I'd probably say Bernard. I think Bernard's, you know, really good technically. I think his, his work is really good. He, he puts a shift in. I think, um, you know, I, I know, I know some people's concerns that he made, he's a little bit lightweight away from home and, you know, he, he's not maybe maybe used to the kind of defensive mind that you sometimes need when you're going from these big clubs but uh, I think you know, on the whole I think you know, technically he's very good I think he's getting better and better and I think he, he probably maybe is a little bit underappreciated by the, the goodness and faithful Yeah, fair shout I think I think you you kind of mentioned the, a name there which I was going to mention but Dominic Carver-Lewin I think he's definitely got um, plenty of applause over the past couple of weeks from writing so because he's been scoring goals um, but in terms of you know um, praise from other other people outside the club, and I'm talking like England recognition and stuff like that. Um, he should have been a shoe in for the the Euros with uh, Harry Kane and um, Rashford out of uh, the picture with injury, and I don't even think I don't know whether he was Gareth Southgate was even considering him. Um, but if he carry on scoring goals, then like, he should have been in with a, a real shout. And it, it's just a shame that what's happened's happened because. You know, he could have show, shown off his talents in a Euro twenty twenty this summer, but you know, it doesn't look likely it's going to be the case. And God knows what's going to happen in twenty twenty one. Harry Kane and, and Rashford, you know, highly likely to be back and fit. And um, you know, you probably just have to watch this space to see if Dominic Carvalho can carry on his form and his goal scoring return into next season. Yeah, absolutely. The next the next question from Jake Marley asks: With Coleman and Baines no longer guaranteed starters. What do you th- who do you think is the best choice to capitalize at moving forward? Second question from there, uh, from Jake there. I thought I'd uh, I thought I'd keep it in. Um, we have questions submitted it um, from people every now and um, every now and again. So I thought two questions is fine. Um, I don't think there's anyone, is there really? I think we at the amount of times that we've said, you know, there's no real leader in that team. Um, Best choice for captain. I think we've we've had, we've been asked this question before, and I think we both suggested Jordan Pickford. Um, but I know a lot of people don't like the goalies as captains, and I think we've mentioned, you know, Pickford-wise, is he mature to be? Is he be mature enough to be a captain? I think the past couple of weeks has proved that he's not at the moment. So I think maybe a couple more seasons on his, under his belt, he he might be able to. I can't think. After the top of my head, other than maybe Yeddy Mina, who's a bit of still a bit of a, an enigma. I don't know what he's like in the dressing room in terms of 
you know, motivating and you know, looking after players and stuff like that. But I suppose he could be one um, as a captain moving forward. Uh, I mean, my, my, my answer to that question, and given he's just created his long term future to cover, be Mason Holbeath. I think he, he's shown, you know, leadership signs over the last couple of last couple of months. You know, he's always there when Everett is going something on the pitch. He's always there. I think given he's probably going to need to cover, you know, hopefully the next five years, maybe possibly even longer, he'd be, you know, a bit of a shoe in for it because he's someone you can kind of, you know, almost groom into becoming the next captain and, and knowing hopefully if he then is that's like to Baines. Coleman and stuff like that, he can become a natural, natural leader on the pitch and given his position, I think he'd be the, he'd be the perfect option for Everton. Yeah, uh, fair enough. I, I, I like that. Like that option didn't didn't spring to mind to be fair, but um, I don't think anyone thought of Mason Holgate eighteen months ago that he would he would even be in the Everton um, squad, let, let alone team. So um, fair play to him if he does. Um, is it me? Next question from Mick Williams. Yeah. Um, pretty straightforward. This will Moyes key be an Everton player next season? Yes, he simply has to be an Everton player next season. They can't spend all that money on him and then go after one year. They can't even consider putting him out on loan, in my opinion. And the echoes haven't corresponded. You know, Phil Kirkbride was it was a bit of a piece on this today, basically saying, you know, that the club basically got got to work from an improvement. He's, he's only young, he's only nineteen, twenty, and he's only young, so. Yeah, to answer this question in simple form, yes, you know, he should be an Everton player next season, he's got to be an Everton player next season, and hopefully, you know, summer work on the Carlo Ancelotti, or a pre-season, so much as summer, but a pre-season work on the Carlo Ancelotti, you know, we'll hopefully put him on a good path and he can really kick on and mature next season. Yeah, cool, next question. From Graham Harper asks, are you confident Everton are on track for Bramley Moore? Um, good question about the stadium. Um you just never know, do you? Um, I think I think this time, I think it, it seems different. It, it's, it definitely seems different for me. Um, there's the, always that anxious wait, isn't it, of planning permission and then obviously a few other various issues that we'll no, no doubt ultimately encounter. Um, but I think, you know, the fact that Machete's on board and, you know, money hopefully is going to be in place and... Um, I, I, I think, without repeating myself, this time it, it's, it's going to be different. And I, I don't think the the date that they've given is it two thousand and twenty three. Yeah. I don't, I'll be honest with you. What what are we now? We're in twenty twenty, aren't we? Um, you know, even coronavirus aside, I think that was optimistic. Um, as a date, and even with the coronavirus, you know, pandemic issue now. A 2023 probably won't be um, the date that the stadium opens and you would see an Everton team um, playing there. You you probably, you might even look at like another year on top of that, maybe 18 months to two. I hope hope it's not the 18 months to two, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's at least another year on top of that, which obviously would be a shame, but I think it, it was optimistic anyway to go for go for that date because you, you're looking at less than you know, three years for that and I don't think that is uh, going to happen. Yeah, I think you know the, the current climate, the current situation of the country's in will probably put it back naturally anyway, won't it? I think you know the, the, we're on shutdown, lockdown, whatever you want to call it right now. So I think that'll have obviously have naturally have an effect, and I think you know, there'll be a backlog. And I think you know the, the ground will obviously ultimately become be a backlog. But 
And I think it's worth the point out that if, if there wasn't, if there was issues, then it'd be incredibly, you know, naive and wrong of fans to blame the club because this is certainly not, not their doing, is it? You know, they, they, they've had no, that's not their fault that this, that this has happened. And, you know, it's just, it's just sadly one of them things. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure there will be fans who still blame the club for it, though. <laughs> the last question of, of this week's podcast from uh, Michael Jones and yeah, I think we've already addressed this one I think in depth but he asks do you think Premier League football will return on April the 30th? Um, in short Michael no I do not um, I think it's very optimistic from the Premier League to to suggest that it will return for that date I, and I understand why they've done it they're just trying to be flexible and give themselves a bit of a bit of breathing space but that that's obviously the earliest date possible Um we're looking at a month away from that now. We're, you know, we're in, you know, lockdown for at least another probably two to three weeks, but maybe beyond. Um, I think the safety of everyone involved in, you know, hosting a football match, whether it's behind closed doors um, or not, has to be, you know, considered first, and it's it's obviously paramount. Um, unfortunately, I don't even think it will return behind closed doors. I think you're looking. I think you're looking at a good couple of weeks to months after that, unfortunately. No, I agree. I think it's very... I think it'll be probably May, June before we see another ball because the Premier League saying not getting April. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's, um, that's the last question and that is the Agenda podcast for this week. As usual, we hopefully will return um, in the coming weeks. So keep an eye out for the shout-out for questions. And um, hopefully you're doing well and staying safe and um, this lockdown is not getting everyone um, too down. And fingers crossed Premier League football does return um, soon enough. Um, Connor, nice one. It's been a pleasure. Been been different. And you, yeah, it's certainly been different. But, you know, needs must in in these you know, crazy times that the world's, you know, seen at the minute. Great, yeah. All right, well, you've been listening to the Agenda podcast on the Royal Blue channel. You've been listening to the Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.